This is To The Point. A Rhino experience. Voted one of the top home services marketing and operations podcasts. Cutting through the bullshit and getting to the point. Hey, 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 what's up to the point listeners? It's the host, Cristiano of To The Point Home Services Podcast, along with my co-host, Mr. Tall Paul Redman. Buddy, how you doing? Chris, it is a good day for a good day. I think it says that somewhere on a wall inside your house, if I recall. But it's yeah. a special day for me because I grew up in a town in Ohio that is the largest brick community in the nation, right outside of Dayton, Ohio. And today we have a Daytonian. I think I'm saying that right. Is that a Daytonian, Greg, on the show? So I'm pumped. Wow. You know, I said that intro about as fast as the Indy cars were going this past weekend at the Indy 500. Did you hear how fast I said that? Gosh. I like it. Uh, yeah, and by the way, um, coming that we're recording this podcast uh, the Wednesday after Memorial Day weekend. So just a quick shout out to those who have fought and fallen for our great nation. Uh, I'm ex- uh, incredibly grateful. Um, and our guest, you served. He was a, you're a Marine, right, Greg? I am. Well, thank you for your service, my friend. <clears throat> um, shout out to my friend Helio Castroneves, who was a four-time champion in Indianapolis 500. Uh, pretty cool. And you know what he was racing on, Greg? Firestone. Do you have any connection to Firestone tires? I do. I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about that. <laughs> well, listen, before we get into it, I want to go ahead and welcome our guest, Greg McAfee, who's the president of McAfee Heating and Air Conditioning, as well as the host of the Greg McAfee podcast, hailing from, well, you're actually in Kettering, Ohio, right? I am. Got it. Which is where yep. Rob Deerdeck's from. You know that name? I'm sure you probably do. Say again? You ever heard the name Rob Deerdeck? I have. Okay, yep. I think he's from Kettering. Yeah. They, they lived on my street at one point. That's how small of a world this is, Chris. Wow. Are you kidding Alien me? Workshop was founded on a street in Huber Heights where I lived, right down the street. These guys had a half pipe. I mean, at the time, all I knew is they had cool stickers of aliens and a half pipe, and then they went on to sell to like Burton or something like that. DC but, Shoes or something Anyhow, regardless, Greg, welcome to the show, my friend. We're excited to have you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Okay, well, we're excited for you to share kind of your journey and your story and some of the uh, of the experiences that you've had to help the listeners. But before I get to that, listeners, if you're the first listening for the first time, you haven't hit the subscribe button, you need to do that because you do not want to miss out on these episodes coming in every Tuesday. And uh, and listen, if you love the show, please leave a review. If you don't, forget about us. Um, just act like you never heard it. Um, so. Before I get into anything else, I always like to understand with our guests, um, know who they are as a human being before we get into the professional side. So, Greg, are you game? Absolutely. Wonderful. I was hoping you would say that because if you said no, I didn't really know where I was going to go with it. So, first things first. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think that's ever happened yet. So, I hope it never happens. Yeah. And I think if it does, I'm just going to bulldoze right through it and do it anyway. (laughs) Um, Okay. So, first things first. Greg, if you could have dinner with anyone alive or dead, who would it be? Wow. Besides Jesus, um, probably Harvey Firestone. Harvey Firestone. Harvey Firestone was the founder of Firestone Tire and Rubber. And you have a history there with Firestone. Uh, My grandfather and and father both retired from Firestone, and I worked there for, I did about a six-year gig um, before I went in the Marines, actually. Fantastic. I love how that came together. See? Lord works mysterious ways. I love it. I love it. Nothing is, nothing is accidental. Was that in Ohio where you worked? It was. Um, My dad and grandfather both worked in uh, Akron. And then my dad got transferred to Mansfield, Ohio. And that's kind of where I grew up. 
Um, and then at the age of 19, um, like many HVAC business owners, um, I didn't like school. It bored me. Um, I didn't go to college. Um, so at 19, my dad said, if you want in, I can get you in. We're moving to Dayton. Then they owned uh, Firestone actually owned Dayton Tire. Okay. So Dayton Tire had a huge uh, manufacturing plant here and a large warehouse. So they took over the warehouse, ended up tearing down the old plant. But uh, so I moved here at 19, packed up a pickup truck with a few things and moved to Dayton, which I'd never been to in my life and uh, started working at Firestone. And nice. Love the connection. Um, so quickly. Fate, okay, I'm going to switch up just a little bit. I've what is what is the your most favorite concert you've ever been to? <clears throat> I've been to some cool concerts. I've been to a lot of Christian concerts. We've sponsored a lot of Christian concerts, but I mean, go back in my old day. Um, probably two. I'll pick two: Alabama and Ario Speedway. Well, play me some mountain music. Solid. <laughs> yeah, they were here. They both were. One was here in Dayton. One was in Cincinnati. REO Speedwagon. I saw them out here like a year and a half ago, and that dude still got it. He's like four foot tall. I forget. What's his name? Lead singer of REO Speedwagon? I don't remember the guy's name, yeah. but he, he crushed it. Yeah. Crushed it. What was your first concert? Mine was Michael Jackson. 38 special. 38 special. Give Solid. me three steps. Give me three steps. Come on. No, no, you're on a Give roll, some, man. Uh-huh. You, yeah. See? I'm like a human jukebox. Shazam. Okay, I bet you I know the answer to this next one, but I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and lob up a softball to you, Greg. Um, who is your hero? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I, I'd have to pick my dad. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, my dad, my dad didn't give us. He's still alive. He's in a, a independent living, but um, he know he had three boys. Never gave us any advice, but he lived it. Um, he, uh, I, I learned. I, I tell people this. I just told someone this the other day. I learned three things from my dad: work hard, never be late, and um, never call off. And those three things stuck. And uh, my dad missed three days in 30, 35 years. Um, That's you know, one was because of an ear infection and one was because he had two kids. So, <laughs> um, you know, he just didn't miss. And we grew up, uh, honestly, my siblings, we all grew up. We just don't miss work. Yeah. I, I have a feeling that um, some of that also, it kind of comes together with your um, military experience and how you're managing and running a business too. So, which we'll get to that. So well, actually let's go ahead and segue into it. Um, why don't you go ahead and just share with the listeners so we can help them uh, understand, you know, why is Craig McAfee on the show? What have you accomplished? Kind of tell us your story. How did you get into the trades and kind of where are you at today? Sure. So I was working at Firestone, um, driving a forklift, uh, breaking records, loading tires, unloading tires, um, 19 years old, um, about three years into it, I looked around and, and number one, they, they were posting um, my records. The warehouse manager actually started posting records on or uh, statistics on the board. And I was number one, loading and unloading trucks. But the good thing and bad thing about being United Rubber Workers uh, Union was I got paid a lot of money for the age of 19. 
Uh, the bad thing was the union said, we don't want statistics on a board, so take them off. So they had to take them off. So I tell people all the time, can you imagine running a business today with um, without any metrics or statistics or all the things we have today? Um, so that really bothered me, but I kept I kept breaking records anyway. But at three years into it, I watched old guys getting up and down off forklifts, and I just decided I don't want to do this the rest of my life. So I joined the Marine Corps um, at the age of 22, went in at 23. Um, that's pretty old for being in the Marine Corps because everybody's like 18, right? That's so my dad. Yeah, my dad went uh, at the same time into the Navy. He went in at 22. Yeah. So, uh, so, so I went in and I served two years, um, and then I served uh, four years in the reserves. But when I came out of the active duty, Firestone held my job. So I came back to work for Firestone. But inside the Marine Corps, I took a random class on refrigeration, and I liked it. I did well. Um, so when I got out, and this is kind of funny because I said my dad never gave us advice. I was probably 14 or 15, had the refrigerator door open, you know, looking through the refrigerator, and my dad randomly said, you should go into refrigeration, heating, and air. You'll always have work. <laughs> so um, fast forward, I'm, I'm, uh, I get out. I'm working at Firestone, so I go to heating and air classes at night while I'm working at Firestone. When I graduate heating and air a year later, um, I leave Firestone for a heating and air job, and I, and I literally take a 50% pay cut. So when I speak to schools and trade schools and all that stuff, I, I try to tell everybody, sometimes you got to start off at the bottom because everybody wants to start off at the top today. So I took a 50% pay cut, worked there nine months, guy called me in his office, said, you'll never make it as a mechanic, and he fired. So no different than today. Two days later, I had another job in heating and air, right? And, uh, you know, he paid me a dollar more an hour, and I he wanted to train me as a technician. Um, but basically what he realized is I learned there that I could sell. Um, growing up, I had paper routes. I helped out with a vegetable route, so I was always talking to people. So when I got into people's homes, I would just start talking, how old's your unit? And, you know, pretty soon, pretty soon within a short time, I was out selling their salesmen. Um, that company went out of business. Um, I was there about a year. Um, <clears throat> I got married, bought a home, and started McAfee all in the same year. So all those things, things are supposed to be stressful, but I didn't know any better. Um, so we started out of our home. I put my shingle out, worked out of, worked off a kitchen table, did a lot of phone calling, did a lot of door knocking, wore out a lot of shoes, and it just it gradually took off very slow. I did I had 274 bucks in a used truck with no air conditioning, so it it gradually took off. And um, somewhere around I don't know the the first three four years, you know, I probably had three or four employees. I did get into air duct cleaning uh, like three years later. That was 1993. I got into air duct cleaning and uh, it took off right away. There were only really one other company doing it right in our area back then. And it took off right away. So we've been very strong in air duct cleaning since 1993. Um, but anyway, I started taking some um, somewhere around 1996. I started taking some presidential courses at an entrepreneurial center um, which actually, um, the guy who sold Iams Pet Food to Procter and Gamble owned the Entrepreneurial Center. He sold Iams, by the way, sole owner of Iams. He sold it for two point three billion. 
um, lives right here close by. Playing with bees. Uh, neat guy. Um, but anyway, he started uh, an entrepreneurial center, which then he built a very large center called Aileron. Aileron is a part of an airplane that helps it take off. So Aileron business. So I took a presidential course there in 1996. I didn't know anything. I, w- I was so far out of it. This is in Dayton? And cl- It was in Dayton. Wow. And uh, Clay Mateel was the owner of IMS, and he was actually in the class at the time. There were like four or five other people. It was just getting started. I took this class, and it was way over my head. Um, but I started taking courses through the Entrepreneurial Center at the time before it was Aileron. And I just started gradually learning more and more and more about business and running a professional business. Um, and so I started implementing them in my business. And in the meantime, I built a garage behind our house. Um, and we, we almost did, we were almost doing a million in sales a year out of that garage. And I sold my biggest job ever out of that garage. It was a very large apartment complex and it was a million dollar job replacing 1947 Lennox furnaces and adding air conditioners. So today I challenged my sales team. You guys need to beat that, you know? Um, but anyway, that really helped us because we could fill slow times for a couple of years. And, uh, so we just gradually grew. It was very slow growth. And I read a lot of books, um, and I continue to read a lot. Um, I'm always learning. Um, we started winning a lot of awards, you know, somewhere around 2003, that was the 13th year in business. We started winning like um, integrity awards, better business bureau awards, um, best places to work, um, all these types of things. And we started getting more recognition. I then figured out how to market and advertise better. And we went from number, it was like number 489 companies. I was like 490. Um, over a period of time, 2006, we finally figured out we were number one. So we surpassed all these companies. Some of them had been in business 30, 40, 50 years. Doesn't mean we're the largest company around, but it means we're, we're number one in top of mind. We're number one when you think of heating and air um, in the Dayton market, uh, we, which we call the Miami Valley market. And um, we just, we've now worked very hard to stay number one because you know, being number one is one thing, but staying number one is another because we've got targets all over us oh, yeah. constantly being shot at. Um, and it's just been a really neat journey and, and we're not finished. Yet. Love it. So, so where does McAfee sit today? We, we are in the, still in the number one top of mind residential market. Um, and we are, we have extremely high goals. Um, we're extremely professional. We, we try to, um, we've, I'd like to say we've helped the industry, especially here in the Dayton, Ohio area. Um, since we came on board 30 years ago, you don't see a whole lot of dirty trucks anymore. You don't see a whole lot of stuff on dashboards. Um, you wear shoe protectors in homes because you have to, because we advertise we do. And if you don't, you're, they're going to, they're going to probably say, well, McAfee wears shoe protectors. Why don't you? Um, there's a lot of great companies in Dayton. Don't get me wrong, but Absolutely. we've tried to raise the bar in our industry. And then when I started coaching and um, holding boot camps and all those types of things, I'd like to think we help raise the bar at a national level just by teaching other contractors, you know, some best practices 
and uh, just how to be more professional. Like you said earlier, when you came into my um, office years ago, it didn't look like a heating and air office. And that's on purpose. Um, We want to look like a professional. We want to look like a medical building when you walk in here. I mean, it's that professional. You're never going to see a gas valve laying on a desk. You know, you're not going to see anything really. It has to do with heating and air. Um, It's more of a professional, um, pleasant atmosphere to work in. And it's all on purpose. Yeah. I have two questions, Chris. Can I, can I go back to back? Go ahead. My man. So, okay. Uh, Question number one, when you started the business with $274, you cited somewhere along the way that you were starting in one of the top 10 worst you know, areas to, to do, do business <laughs> in Dayton, Ohio. So one, I want to know why was it the top 10 worst and what did you do about it? How did you overcome that? Well, it was in the top 10 worst places to do business because, um, NCR ended up closing down. Um, general motors closed a big plant, a couple of big plants. They had Frigidaire used to be here. Um, and then the S 10 plant used to be here and they closed down. So Dayton lost a lot of big industry. And uh, so it was rated in the top 10 worst places to do business. But again, when I go back to saying we didn't know any better, I didn't know any better. I mean, I didn't even realize in 1990 when I started, we were in a recession. It was a slight recession in 1990. But if you would have told me that, if someone would have came and said, this is the worst year to start a business, I didn't know any better. I just went out (laughs) and started knocking on doors and making things happen. And sometimes we listen to the wrong people. Right. but that's why. Got it. And then second part of that question, you mentioned starting to win some awards and getting some external recognition around 2003. And then you said you figured marketing out and then really took things, you know, to new levels. What do you mean by figuring marketing out? And, and Well, back then we were still, everybody was in the phone book and everybody, if you look through the ads, I mean, you know, I, I don't know, most heating and air guys, when, when you travel, the first thing you do when you get in a hotel room is pull out the phone book and start looking at other people's ads. Uh, that's, not, we can, that's not just heating and air guys, by the way. Okay, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, today we can do it real easy. You can sit here on your computer and Google anyone, <laughs> Google anyone anywhere and look at their ads. But I always want to see what other people was doing. So if you just took my market in Dayton, Ohio, and I looked at all the ads, and all, they all look the same. Everybody's promising the same thing. You know, it just was so boring to me. So we just had to step out and just be a little bit different. Um, A lot more professional, a lot more uh, catchy. In 2003, we also started the 8 to 8, same great rate. And when you call a lot of these companies that have been in business 50 years, at at 5.01, they were closed. 5.01 p.m., they were closed. Right. And at 7.59 p.m., they were still closed. Or seven, I'm sorry, 7.59 a.m., they, they hadn't turned their phones on yet. So we came out with 8 to 8, same great rate, and we just took a huge amount of market share. In 2008, when everybody else was down, um, we were 46% up, and we skipped a whole million at the time in sales. And because we did the complete opposite of what everyone else did, everybody else, well, we're in a recession. We need to cut back. Pull back. We need to lay off. We need to quit buying stuff. I just did the complete opposite and we soared. We took off. Love it. So that actually is, um, reminds me of like, even with what just happened with the pandemic is, um, I, when we, when I started my company, for those of you who are listening for the first time, uh, who don't know, 
I'm the CEO of a company called Rhino Strategic Solutions, which is a almost 14 year old company now that's focused does digital marketing for the trades, mainly HVAC, plumbing, electrical. So I'm kind of in the same world as all of you, just in a different capacity. But um, we doubled down with uh, all of our contractors. Um, one of them who's a phenomenal contractor also there in Dayton, Ohio, um, and become a good friend of mine. Um, but we doubled down because we knew people were going to, in fear, were going to pull back. They were afraid. And listen, man, if it's uh, freezing outside, you're going to need heat. Like, I don't care what's right. going on. Or if it's like here in Phoenix, Arizona, you know, if it's 100 degrees outside, you're going to need air conditioning. So people were still going to be looking. But so I commend you for doing that that early on. I want to say whenever I came out and met you, Greg, I know we were talking about this pre-podcast, I was right in that 2009, maybe 2010 time. But even then was pretty early, like early on for adopting internet, um, like internet, you know, internet marketing. So I mean, we were talking about it back back then. So I knew you were kind of a uh, early adopter to those things before you had come on. So I want to segue super fast. Okay. Um, we talked a little bit about you being a Marine. Um, and, and I'm, I'm a huge fan of leadership and leadership training and things like that. Um, and, but what did you learn? Uh, what did you learn from the Marines or from the Marines that you've, um, kind of applied to business today or that's kind of helped, you know, shape you as a business leader or, or leadership within your own organization? Yeah, I think a couple of things. Number one is, is a lot more discipline than I had before I went in. And even though I was, you know, a hard worker, all that stuff, the discipline that I learned in the Marine Corps helps me every day with my business because it's the discipline, you know, to never quit and, and, and to just continue to plow through even when times don't look too good, even when, you know, when someone quits, um, even when um, business is down, I mean, you, you know, you just got to continue to look up. You've got to, you've got to continue to um, have the discipline to hang in there and just keep, keep working through. And um, the other one is confidence. Um, you know, I wrote in, I wrote a book, um, build and grow your HVAC business. And in there, I talk about the confidence course and, you know, in the, within the Marine Corps, there's a confidence course and you go through this confidence course and that's exactly what it's for. When you complete it, if you complete it, um, you are more confident than you were because it's something you could never do uh, before you, you know, already went through so many weeks of training um, to complete. So, you know, I, a lot of guys in business lack confidence. And the first little thing that goes wrong, they're, they're stumbling. And, you, you know, you've got to have confidence um, in what you do and how you do it and just realize that everybody's going to have bumps in the roads. Everybody's going to go through valleys. You can't hang out on the mountaintop forever. Um, all these awards, I tell people all the time, all these awards, um, they might be on a wall somewhere in here, but they're not, they're not on my front desk here. Because the next award might be, but only for a short period of time. Then we're looking for the next one and yep. the next. So I hope that helps. Yeah, it does. So discipline and confidence, um, kind of the path I thought you would go down makes perfect sense to me. Um, I watched a uh, Paul and I both watched an episode that you that you did that said it was. I'm sorry, but I want to win. You said, you know what? I'm not sorry. I want to win. You're talking about we don't win, we don't eat. I love, I love you that you said that out there because I mean it's okay. I think it's confidence is you do want to win. Like you got in business 
to win. You have people relying on you to win. That doesn't mean I, I made a post in, in some of the, because you know you're involved in some of the Facebook groups in our, in our trades, and I'm a big fan of uh, winning myself, but I also want to see other people win. It's just head to head. I want to kick your ass, but I want you to win just not as much as me. Um, and I think that's okay, right? You want to win second place. I, I don't want second place. No, I was not nope. built for second place. And so, but that's okay. To I'm not sorry that I want to win either. But at the same time, like I said, I really mean it. I want to see people do good. I want to see people thrive and win. But head to head, yeah, why would I not want to win? And that's okay. Right. And that's not me being a cocky asshole or anything like that. It's me being confident. And I have a lot of people relying on me to win. So I kind of have that. You know, like I took that on and I have to own that and I'm responsible for those things. Um, but discipline is great because it's obviously you have to have discipline, which is you might look at that as like processes or kind of however you want to roll it out with leadership and following your core values or whatever it is. But you got to have confidence in what you're doing, because if you don't have confidence, you'll get crushed, especially in an industry as competitive as ours. Um, you talked about the book. You brought it up, you know, being well known um, and. So, Paul, actually, I know you. I know you kind of looked at this a little bit too. I don't want to take all your steal all your sure. on these questions, but um, did when when did you first off? When did you write that? Being um, when did you write the book? Smartac.com. Smartac.com. If you haven't heard of it, you better find out. If you haven't implemented it, you better check it out. You have to get started doing something. 2024 is going to be an absolute battlefield. What are you doing differently than your competitors? You need to make sure that your memberships are sticky. SmartAC.com does that. Lifetime warranty, insurance savings, filter discounts, 24-7 monitoring that lets you know about problems before the homeowner might even know about the problem. Live tech chat, service providers, all of this with SmartAC.com. You've got to check it out now. Well, I wrote a book called It's Your Dream um, probably 10 years ago. And then I revised it, changed the name, and updated everything. Um, and that was just a few few years ago. I wrote the build and grow your HVAC business. Build and grow your HC business. So you wrote the first one when? I'm sorry, what was the year? It was probably 2006. Okay. Yeah. And then you modified it and they're added to it and things that you've learned. And then you right. okay, got it. Yeah. I, the title, It's Your Dream, it would only work for John Maxwell. Nobody cared about my dream. <laughs> right. Yep. So I had to make it a title that, you know, people could understand. Got it. So, so you talk about one of the principles being, you know, be well known in your market. Right. So describe what you meant by that and how to apply that to the business that you're operating today. Thanks, Paul. Sure. Well, we're, first of all, we're very community oriented. Um, we've always been heavily involved in our community and that's one way to be known um, without advertising, mm -hmm. without mark. Well, really it is a marketing Right. Um, but, you know, the first year in business, I've got this little desk in our spare bedroom. And on top of it, there are three pictures. And they were all three pictures of Little League teams. So the first year in business, we su supported Little League teams. And it had my name on the hat, my name on the jersey. And I challenge guys today all the time, sponsor Little League teams because you go to games anymore and they got Team A, Team B, Team C because yep. they don't have any sponsors. Yep. So it's 100, you know, somewhere between 100 and 300 bucks to sponsor a team. Yep, inexpensive. Sponsor a team. Um, but um, so we are well known because we're just so community involved. We've we've uh, partnered with children's hospitals. We have our own foundation for children, which we founded in 2006, which we do just a ton of stuff with different uh, nonprofits and organizations. 
Um, we get in front of people. Um, I speak. I speak at all the schools. Whoever invites me, um, I speak. And um, anytime I can speak to kids, I, I, I love it because you know, number one, kids need confidence. They need encourage, and they need to know that still anything's still possible. Um, because all they get today is a lot of negative stuff. Yep. So um, anyway, just being well known is getting yourself out there. Get all, Get out of your desk. Get out in front of your screen. And get out there and make things happen. And sometimes it's just, it might be Greg McAfee stuff or it might be McAfee heating stuff, but it all ties together. And then our mark, we're extremely aggressive on our marketing and advertising um, from, from TV to radio to, um, you know, online to YouTube to all that, everything we touch. Um, it's going to be very professional. It's going to be, I call it Super Bowl material. Um, a lot of the, a lot of our commercials have been on the Super Bowl at a, at a local level. Um, and it's just, it's very professional. We, we want to be more than just a heating and air company. So you talk a lot about marketing being an investment in your own brand and investment in your company and not so much an expense as a marketing agency. Very few people actually believe that, right? It's hard to write that check. So talk to me about some of the investments you've made in marketing and your commitment to that and how that's helping the business. Sure. Well, I mean, when, you know, you, we have a, um, a budget for advertising, period. And, our, and, and it's typically, it's average is probably 8% of our gross revenue. And, uh, and we can go higher or lower. It just depends on the year. Right. Um, and actually, you know, I'll give kudos to Ken Goodrich the other day because I asked him what I got to visit his place and all that. But I, I asked him, I said, what do you guys spend on advertising, blah, blah, blah. And he said, you know, he said, don't get stuck on a number. If you want to grow, spend more. If you don't, spend less. And <laughs> that sounds I thought, like a Ken you know, Goodrich answer. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Two thousand eight, when I was up forty six percent, we spent about eleven percent. Yeah. Hello. Weird. You know why didn't I apply that late? Why haven't I applied that again and again and again? Who knows what would have happened? So, um, but we invest in in marketing, like marketing as far as we have a truck or treat event every year, uh, pre COVID. Um, we've had four to 5,000 people on our property and we've had different companies here with trucks. So kids can come here in a safe environment and receive candy. They have games. They have all, we have all kinds of stuff going on for about four hours on a Saturday. Um, I mean, four to 5,000 people here every year. Well, it started off a lot smaller than that, but you're getting people here from all over. The mayor comes in, um, different people come in from all over and, I'm on the radio. They got a radio station here, country radio station here. Um, me for this, all this kind of stuff. So I'm just constantly anything I can do to be in front of the public is an investment of my time and money, but it's paid off, you know, 10 times full. And you got to stick with it. And, and you got to so stay with it. Yeah. Well, it's not a one-time deal. Don't go. You if, if you're going to go past marketing, don't Paul, by the way. I'm not, I just want to make a reference to my, I was, la I was smiling as you mentioned, you sponsored little league teams because you reminded me my little league sponsor when I lived in Dayton was Ned Peppers, bar and grill. And it was because my coach who may or may not have been a hack roofer was a, a drunk and that's where he hung out. And so we were Ned Peppers and I never thought that was weird growing up until later people would see pictures and they're like, Ned Peppers. <laughs> But you never forgot it. <laughs> never forgot it. Yeah, exactly. Hey, That's why I, want, I wonder how many kids we sponsored 25 years ago that are using us today. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I can tell you being, um, you know, from Dayton, I have this, I, I have a, a perspective because I'm from there and I've seen your name. It, I don't cluster you with the other heating and air conditioning companies. It seems like a brand that's a little more institutional and maybe even a little more like um, corporate and, and kind of, you know, nationwide. So just, it's a big brand. So well done there. I accomplished what you, what you said you wanted to build. I mean, I remembered it from back whenever I was there. Um, I want to, I want to hang on something for just a second. And I think I also heard this on another episode of yours. I listened to Greg. Um, but can we all just, can we all agree that it's not always marketing's fault in the slow in the shoulder seasons? Like, can we, I know that I, th- I think on one of the episodes I was listening to that you did, you're talking about like a perfect example be here in Arizona. We have a lot longer busy season. Um, and you guys have a lot longer shoulder season. So you have to do things to prepare for those things. And you were doing things like, um, not just, in, you know, internally, but like externally, like for, to bring in business. So not just your staff, but also bringing in, you know, customers or maintaining people because part of the, the slow season I'm using air quotes is also keeping staff busy. Um, but you were sending out like gift cards and stuff to families right before the busy season saying, Hey, you're going to, you know, not, they're going to put in some long hours, like little things like that. But let's talk real quick about what you do because Ohio, I'm from Indiana originally. So there's a lot of similarities too in our weather patterns, but, um, what are you doing in the long shoulder season to kind of keep your guys's self going all these years? So, but, but first, if you could say, uh, it's not always marketing's fault, I would appreciate that. Great question. <laughs> It is not only marketing's fault, <laughs> <laughs> especially, especially if you only market in your busy time. <laughs> I can't comprehend that. And, and, and there's guys that do it all the time. They only market if June and July is your busiest, that's when they market. But the rest of the year, you don't hear from them. So I, I'm kind of glad they do, but I they that. need help. We, we uh, hear it. Things are getting slow up here. We need to pull back. Yeah, right. Uh, so... Um, could you repeat the question? I'm sorry. I just want to, all I was trying to do is, is give the listeners some perspective when you have shoulder seasons on things that you've done to kind of keep the business successful over the years. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, for years we were doing it wrong and we were just very reactive. Whoa. Did you you hear that listeners? He did things wrong, but but he didn't give up, didn't quit. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. So we'd sit around in the slow time and every once in a while I'd say, can someone pick up the phone, make sure there's a dial tone. Um, (laughs) So we decided instead of being reactive, we're going to have to be proactive. So the first thing we do is we had a really heavy campaign to sell more um, maintenance agreements. And, um, you know, we, we have we we don't have as many as I'd like, but we have thousands of maintenance agreements, which keeps us busier during the slower times. And our slower times can be, you know, four months sometimes in a row. And you've got to be very creative. So. We get creative by um, having maintenance agreements, you know, to work on. Our office staff is, are calling um, existing McAfee customers, um, getting them on the board, maybe some that haven't had service in a year or two, offering them a special just to get in their home, all those types of things. So it's just, it's constantly being uh, proactive and not sitting around waiting for the phone to ring. Geez, there's a thought. Be proactive. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so I mean, sometimes it's just that simple. 
Right. It's I'm I'm also laughing that you flew out to Las Vegas and Ken's marketing advice was you want to grow more, spend more. You want to grow less, spend less. And you're like, thanks. I just flew all the way out here. Um, it, isn't it funny? Just the, the simple things, right? Yeah. Um, I want to go back to your book. In your book, you talk about being disruptive. What does disruption look like in the home services, HVAC world? And, and what's that look like in the future? Yeah, you've got to be. That's my favorite chapter. Um, you know, to be disruptive because um, the disruptive companies are the ones that are growing. The disruptive companies are the one thinking outside the box. You know, the disruptive companies are the ones that um, are doing the eight to eight at the same great rate. When companies smarter, bigger than me sat back and said, that'll never work. Or how did they, how are they doing this? Five years later, no one was competing with us. Finally, after five years, People start coming up with seven to seven or, you know, just all these weird things trying to compete with eight to eight because we just took we took more market share in that five years than we have in companies history. And people we have found we found out that people want, you know, it used to be eight, 8 a.m. was the most popular spot. What what time do you want us there? We want you there at eight o'clock before we go to work. Well, when we went to eight to eight, it opened up between five and eight p.m. That became the number one spot between five and eight. We were, I mean, we, we had to have several people working between five and eight just to keep up with it because people are busy today and they're even busier today than they were in 2003. You guys, I mean, you know, just think about it. Oh yeah. How, how much has changed since then. Um, so when you work with around people's time, which is something else we're focusing on this year in a whole new campaign, you can't, you can't make more time. So you have to be more efficient. Um, the more efficient we are for the customer, the more time we can give our customer. And um, the more the more time you give back to the customer, the more they appreciate you as a, a company, and they're not shopping around for price because you just you just given them something they they've never had before, and that's more time, which you can't get back, and it's our greatest asset. But you don't sit around and think about that. I mean, when you're thinking about for a new campaign or a new marketing idea, nobody's thinking about, hey, let's save the customer time. But when you start thinking about that and you start brainstorming, you know, we, we started advertising years ago, um, in full installations um, installed in one day guaranteed, or I'll give you back $1,000. And then I started saying, or it's free. Right. Because it got, we had, we had so many systems in place that it was easy for us to install a full system. And when we say full system, that means new line set, new pad, everything's going to be replaced. Uh, you know, some ductwork transitioning, all that kind of stuff, but we mean full system and, and we can do them today, you know, anywhere between six and eight hours and, and move on. So when I first started in the industry, there were companies that took two and three days. Oh yeah. And when I say disrupting disruption is, Guess what they have to do now when we do it one day? They've, we've disrupted their world. Now they have to figure out how to do it in one day in order to compete with us, if they want to compete with us. Which means so there's just a lot of little things for disruption that yeah. you can think of, of guaranteeing times. You know what I mean? Guaranteeing. We, we guarantee 8 a.m. Um, if we're not there, your service call is free. Mm -hmm. That's the only time of the day I can guarantee right. that we'll be there on time. So I might as well pick pick one. Right. And it just sounds good because a lot of people, you know, I don't want to, how many times do you have to wait 
on a utility company will be there between eight and noon or 12 and four, and then they don't show at all. Oh, it's annoying. Yeah. So annoying. So disrupting is just thinking outside the box and doing things that others aren't willing to do. So let's talk a little bit about the future. I mean, obviously your company is kind of stands apart as you look across the country, other types of companies, but you see a lot of things going on right now. M&A activity, I guess what they're calling the second wave of consolidation to some degree, a lot of um, interesting people getting into the business who've not been into this business before. Um, talk to me about the future of, of HVAC and home services. What's that look like? It's, it's an exciting world for, for many people and very scary for a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, but when you're, when you're on the edge and you're number one and you're making things happen, it's very exciting. If you can't stay up with today, then tomorrow's very scary for a lot of people. But tomorrow is, um, is just doing things differently than we're doing it today. And, and it's more than just technology. Technology is going to change every day. We've got the smartphone and you can you can control your thermostat with a smartphone and now you can turn the lights on and, and your garage door, everything else in your house. Or your Start car. Your oven. They got smart ovens now. <laughs> your car. Right? I have a smart toaster, Greg. <laughs> okay. True story. So True story. Technology is just going to keep getting better. But how we do business for that busy customer, especially now that we've learned that the Y generation is going to be the largest generation ever over the next 10 years. And they also have the most spending power. How do you serve the wide generation? Most heating and air companies, plumbers, electricians, they're not thinking about the wide generation. They're right. just putting out fires and trying to get through today. But when you, when you start thinking about the wide generation and then some of the X generation and, um, because today we really serve about five generations because there are some starting with the greatest generation ever who still own homes, you know, in their late eighties. And then you've got the 23 to 25 year olds that, that are starting to buy homes. We serve five generations and those generations take totally different kinds of service. Mm -hmm. You're not going to do, you're not going to do over here what you're going to do for over here. So it's staying up with the generations, but it's also staying up with that new generation and how they're going to do business. And that's exciting. How are they going to do business and what are you prepared to do about it? Um, they're going to, they're going to, um, believe it or not, they, they think well, the Y generation thinks different than the X generation. The Y generation is, they are about quality, but they're also about convenience. Okay, so they're the convenience of giving getting them an estimate and and helping them make a decision and how they make decisions is totally different than the X and the baby boomers and everyone else. So the just studying the Y generation and how they think, you know, they're the they're the generation that had a had a what a smartphone at what age? Yeah. Youngest generation ever to have a smartphone. Yeah. Um, I mean, my son, my son's 20, he'll be 27 and my daughter is 17. There's like a nine year, if you figure it up, there's a nine year difference. Um, but my son had a, I got him a flip phone just for emergencies <laughs> when he was like in fifth and sixth grade. And my, my daughter had an, I, what was it? I, um, not an touch. iPad, but what was it? iPod touch iPod. Yeah. It was iPod touch. 
<clears throat> and then she got a, and then she got her uh, smartphone somewhere in her teens. <laughs> but I mean, they, and a lot of, a lot of kids had them a lot earlier than she did. So if you think about how the Y generation was way, raised and what they're doing, and then you try to match how to do business with them. I don't know. I just find that a lot of fun. Yeah, I can sense you have something going on there because you you have a little bit of energy and excitement around that. But um, I can see your smile. Listeners can't see it through the, the screen. <laughs> I'm technically Gen X because I was You're born. A boomer. I was born in '79, but um, I'm actually more of a of a Gen Y kind of guy because I'll <laughs> I'll pay for convenience. You're um, weird. I'll pay for convenience. Like I I want things to be easy. And, yeah. but I also want it now. I thrive on instant gratification. So I'm a sucker to all those things. So if anybody's listening, trying to sell anything, that's now, you know, two ways into me, but speed is a necessity for me. And yeah. so I think that, um, you said something that was, that was profound earlier about being proactive. That's how you have to be now. Um, you have to take the risks that, and try something that might not work. Uh, to kind of to stay ahead of the competitive game. There's only so many things in, you know, in the same industry that you can do different, I mean, you know, than your competitor because maybe it's the same thing just in a different way. Um, we, we are working on a book as a leader, or working through a book as a leadership team at Rhino on the book Traction where it talks about um, coming up with a guarantee or a better than free guarantee. And that doesn't always necessarily mean it's a, it's a money thing. It could be like you said, we'll be there at 8, at 8 a.m. or it's the service calls free. But you got to do something, you know, to have a unique selling proposition to make yourself unique, but you also got to honor it. Um, and you have to uh, keep trying new stuff like every year. You know what, what was interesting? I hope this person's not listening to this podcast. If you are, I apologize. Um, do you remember the old school ad of your, uh, your wife's hot? Like that's old, right? That offering is, hey, your wife's hot. I'll take care of, you know, their um, air conditioning. It's yeah. a old, I've seen, listen, I've been in the business 14 years. I saw it that long ago. I just saw one pop up on my phone, you know, like somebody's ad rolling through my social media feed. And it was all about that. I was like, you have got to be kidding me. Like that's not being proactive, sir or ma'am. Like you need to, it re was disruptive. You need to rethink it about was that. disruptive. It was point. 15 years ago. But it, it was ain't. disruptive. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, I'm sorry. I apologize yeah. if you're listening. Somebody probably paid for that. And if somebody else is on here listening that also runs that ad, um, Paul told me to say that. That's right. No, I think I think you're on something. Like across generational, they're all looking for trust. They all just get there in a different way, right? That's, I think, the, the key differentiator. So I'm excited for whatever you've got brewing. I can sense it. Well, yeah. I think this is a good way to kind of to, to roll practicing up. And, um, and I really want to know, like, what's – like what's next or what's your legacy? What do you want your legacy to be, Greg? Well, I mean, my, my legacy is, you know, when we talk about confidence and all that kind of stuff, that's also encouraging my team to be more confident. Sure. Um, and that's, that's encouraging. The more confident my team is, the better off they're going to be in front of my customers. Um, so my legacy is just to leave. Uh, I, you know, I always say I challenge people to think different and change hearts. And that's what I try to do. I just try to challenge you to think a little bit different. If I can make a contractor think just a little bit different about their business, especially like, um, well, first generation for sure, but second generation, third generation. I mean, these guys are taking over. Sometimes they didn't even want to take over. Sometimes they were yep. forced to take over. Yep. And they're in a business that they just don't love. Mm -hmm. um, and I try to make them think a little bit different. And if I can, if I can help a, a student, or a business person or an employee 
think just a little bit different, it changes their life and it's going to make them better. It's going to make their, especially for an employee with kids, it's going to make their kids better, right? It's going to make, it's going to make a lot of people better. And if I, you know, also in, you know, I'm not doing this because it'll make my customer better, but it makes my customer happier. It makes my customer appreciate McAfee. Um, but just because of what I teach, like what we do in homes, what we don't do in homes, how we look at people, how we talk to people, all that kind of stuff. It's extremely powerful. So my legacy is just changing the world a little bit at a time yeah. and then leaving leaving something here, especially for my kids. My new book is uh, Iron Sharpens Iron, uh, The Secret to Generational Wealth. Oh, and uh, so, you know, the, for my kids and their kids and their kids, you know, I just want to leave something a little bit differently that, than that was left for me. Love it. Iron sharpens iron. So love it. what are some of the things that you're doing to, um, like, because you obviously have your podcast. So let's just talk about that because the segue is perfect. Uh, but you have the Greg McAfee podcast. I think you've got like, I think you're one, I think it was 28, 29, 30 episodes in somewhere around there. Um, but what all are you doing now? And then what's a good way that if anybody, any, any of the listeners um, want to contact you, that they can, they can connect with you. Sure. So I've got the, the Greg McAfee show podcast is new and um, it's on, you can get on that just about anywhere now. Yep. Um, Apple, all that stuff. Um, I've been coaching, been teaching and coaching and holding boot camps um, for many years. Um, I started writing articles, you know, 15, 14 years ago and they were published and that led to, do you do this? Do you do this? Do this? So we started doing it. Um, I've got another, we're going to do a zoom boot camp coming up um, in October, somewhere around October 6th. Um, and then I run McAfee every day and I just, I really enjoy now, not, not, don't get me wrong. Not every day is fun, <laughs> but I love what I do and I enjoy what I do. And I help, I love helping to build people and make them better. Good. And you also have, what's the Facebook group that you started? I know I'm in it. I just can't remember the name of it. It's the iron sharpen That's iron, it. uh, business round table. Perfect. Nice. What are you gonna say, Paul? I have one more question, sure. Chris. I'm Far sorry. Away. So I'm always fascinated by people who are in the military, mainly because I had a very undisciplined early twenties, right? So I'm fascinated about discipline and in disciplines that you apply to your daily life. And you mentioned that, you know, discipline was a big part of what's made you successful for our listeners. Would you mind sharing any daily disciplines that you have, whether it's in your personal life or business life that they can start tomorrow? Yeah, well, I mean, personally, I'm I'm an early riser, so I, you know, and, and and not every day is easy to get up. I mean, honestly, today it was just a great day. It was raining here. It was just a great day to stay in bed. Um, but I'm disciplined to get up. I get in here every day by five thirty, five forty-five. Um, I read. First of all, I read a um, Bible devotion every day, and I read a. Um, same. Another type of positive devotion. And then I watch a podcast. I'll just, I have several podcasts that I listen to and I'll watch something, um, something that's going to help me because if I am in order for me to build people up, encourage them and help them, I've got to do that on a daily basis. So it would be really hard for me to encourage someone if I'm not getting encouraged. Sure. And, and I, I think we lack that sometimes we don't know how to help people because we're not helping ourselves. And we're kind of stuck in a rut. I mean, I deal with, I talk to business owners all the time who are stuck in ruts. 
mm-hmm. and they don't know how to get out. And sometimes it's just as easy as thinking a little bit different, being a little bit more positive and asking for help. I love that. And that's Thank one you. thing. I mean, I am, I have no ego when it comes to asking for help. I mean, I didn't get here on my own right. and, and, and I'm not a Superman and I'm not a lone ranger. I ask for help all the time. And anytime I can get help, if, if there's another, if there's someone that can help me, I'm going to call and talk to them and just ask them, how did they do it? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and learn more about that. I'm, I'm just fascinated by that. Yeah. That, that's been one of the more heartwarming things that Chris and I have observed over the last year or so. It's there's more kind of um, cross community helping throughout the country going on, people learning from one another. So, and I know you're a part of that. So thank you. Well, listen, I'm extremely grateful, Greg, for you coming on and kind of sharing your story and some of the things that you've done to grow the business has to to be as successful as it is over these years and uh, and some of the tools that you're doing to give back. Um, So genuinely, thank you. Um, And listeners, again, uh, like Paul was saying, everybody's so eager to help. Um, and it's okay. It's not a weakness. It's certainly a strength, you know, to ask for help. And, and I think in order to, um, we heard this from our friend, Keith Mercurio, um, in order to be, uh, inspiring, you need to be, uh, inspired and, and whatever way you do that, whether it be through mentorship or, um, like Greg, you know, does a devotional in the morning and does certain things, listens to podcasts to get better. You got to constantly be doing something because, uh, when you get to the top of the mountain, uh, um, there's always a competitor coming for you. Complacency uh, can crush you. So you have to constantly get better. And how could you possibly go and try and coach somebody else to something that you're not doing and feel good about it? So, you know, in order for you to uh, be inspiring, um, be inspired. So, hey, Greg, appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. And uh, thanks Next for time your- I'll try to be a little more passionate. <laughs> yeah. If you <laughs> could work it. on that, that would be great. Hey, congrats on a successful run here too. I'm excited to kind of Thank see you. what you do. Um, in the future. And again, listeners take him up on, you know, like I said, he's got his podcast. I've listened to a few episodes. It's pretty solid. They're not real long, which is nice. Like ours that are like an hour long. Um, so the ones I listened to were like, I think in the 20, 30 minute you know, range, 20, 30 minute range. Um, so if you have a short attention span, uh, you should be able to knock through that really quick, which is me. I don't even listen to our own podcasts anymore. Is that, is that bad news? <laughs> I don't, I'm just kidding. It's because I, uh, I lived it. Um, but again, thank you so much, TP. Appreciate the, uh, the good questions and listeners. Again, we always appreciate you. And I always like to finish with this. Actually, I'll tell you what, Hey Greg, any, any, uh, last words you want to share with our listeners? If not, it's completely okay. We already kind of talked through it, but if you have something where you just like to leave anybody that might be new in their business listening and trying to just figure out what's next for me, any good inspiration that you can give them? Well, I just say, stay strong, um, stay positive and learn from others. And like you said, there's really nobody in our industry or close to our industry that won't help. Everybody's eager to help. I've never called anyone to say, can I take a tour that they turn me down? And I've never turned anyone down. Anytime anyone wants to come here, I make time for them. So you got to ask for help to get help. Love it. Sign me up. I'll be in Dayton at some point this month and I'd love to come by and uh, I'll treat you to Marion's pizza. Sounds good. That's a, that's a treat for us. What that's my uh, favorite, favorite pizza place there. Got it. Sounds good. Sounds amazing. All right. Listen, hey, uh, listeners, again, we appreciate you so much. And I want to just call out real quick a review that was left by, uh, oh, cool. So I, I know. Yeah, I see that. So I don't ever read the uh, reviews ahead of time, even though they're written down on my sheet. Um, did Case you know, point did you on know last week's podcast. Uh, but this one's from T.A. Kaiser, who was a customer of ours for quite a yeah. long time until they sold to Airtron. Um, down in, here in Charlotte, too. In the Indianapolis market, Charlotte, and one other market. I forget where they're at. Um, 
And this is a five-star rating. Again, uh, of course. incredible post. A podcast is the topic, so thank you very much from T.A. Kaiser. It says, To the Point has to be the best home services podcast out there. Tall Paul and Chris have such great energy. They feed off of each other. Their passion and knowledge for the game is bar none. Uh, if you haven't listened to one of their podcasts, do yourself a favor and listen. Keep up the great work, guys. Our industry needs more guys like you. So T.A. Kaiser, whoever that is from T.A. Kaiser, assuming that's somebody from T.A. Kaiser, thank you so much because T.A. Kaiser is a fairly decent-sized organization, but whoever it is, thank you so yeah. much. And listeners, we love the reviews. Greg knows. I mean, when you run a podcast, like the most rewarding thing is to have people reach out to you afterwards and thank you for the things that help them grow their business. That is the entire purpose. This is the uh, platform that uh, God has given me to um, share with the masses to help lift up the industry and uh, you guys know that's how we roll. So until the next show, Greg, we appreciate you. Paul, I appreciate you. Listeners, we appreciate you so much. We'll see you. Listeners, thank you so much again for listening to this podcast week after week. We are extremely grateful. Again, the whole purpose of this podcast is to give back to the home services industry that we love so much, whether you're a rhino or not. We really Really appreciate all the subscribers. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please go in and subscribe and you'll get all the episodes sent to you automatically weekly. Also, we have really enjoyed your feedback. Uh, it's so meaningful for us when we get to read the nice comments that you guys put. So keep doing that. And if you don't know how to do it, here's what you got to do. You search for To The Point Home Services on Apple Podcasts. You click on our profile, scroll all the way down to the bottom and hit write a review. And be honest and share your story and how the podcast has impacted you and your business. Thanks again from the bottom of our hearts at To The Point Home Services Podcast. We appreciate you.